You can give by debit, credit card, check, cash, whatever. You know, if you're, if you're curious about how to give by debit card or credit card, we have a machine in the back, also a kiosk in the foyer. You can also jump right online at thechurchalive.org and I go to the giving tab and give there. A few things I want to let you know about. Uh, a big, big, big event happening today at 4 o'clock as we're having our Brave Cave. Everybody say Brave Cave. Yeah, I love this because it's a great event. It's a great way for us to come together and, uh, and let these children um, and adults, too, um, come and partake in something that doesn't glorify um, being scared and fear and horror during this season when we glorify that, right? The world wants to glorify being afraid. The Bible says, fear not. Amen? The Bible says, fear not. So at 4 o'clock today, um, they've got this hallway down here where all the kids' classrooms are. They've been, they, these, these volunteers have spent hours decorating these classrooms. It's going to be a lot of fun. So bring, if you have kids, bring them. If you have neighbors that have kids, invite them. Let them come on out. And uh, they're going to be able to go through those rooms and experience um, the word of the Lord, which is fear not over them. And they're going to get some candy. We're going to really sugared up right before dinner. And then they might go to sleep when it's time to go to sleep for school tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So this is a great opportunity also for you to fulfill the great commission, which we've been talking about. It's a great opportunity for you to say to someone, look, you may not know Jesus, you may not be saved, but I want you to come with me and let's, let's, uh, let's get some candy and let's talk about Jesus to people. He proved to them he was alive. I want to tell you that if you're in doubt today, our father is not willing to leave you in doubt. He'll come to you and he'll prove to you that he's good. He'll come to you and he'll prove to you that he's alive. And so that's how good our God is. And so he did that for 40 days. And right before he ascended into heaven, he told his followers, his disciples, those who were there in the moment when he ascended into heaven. How cool would that have been, by the way? Right? Following Jesus and all of a sudden he just, whoop, there he goes. You know, how cool would that have been? That's incredible. This is what he says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Everybody say amen. amen. That is the Great Commission. So we talked uh, last week about the fact that we need to be aware of the Great Commission. We need to be aware of this commandment to go and make disciples. Go and spread the gospel. Just because you aren't a quote-unquote ministry, does not minister, doesn't excuse you from your responsibility to go and make disciples. That if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple... It's your responsibility and your call of heaven to go and make disciples of all nations. The Lord's primary command is this to us. It's, it was his instruction. It was his task given to us, and this is the key here, along with the authority to carry it out. In other words, he's given you the equipment you need to go and make this happen. When you come uh, to him as a son, he equips you. He puts in your hand the tools you need to go and fulfill this great commission. So we talked about this. Uh, to make disciples is interesting. Um, he says that this word go here could actually be translated as you are going. 
So what does that mean? In other words, you don't have to make a special trip to go and make disciples. In your everyday life, you should be making disciples. Everywhere you go, every person you see, every place you visit, your work, your gym, um, whatever, you know, the, the Halloween trick-or-treat, you know, you're going, and it's an opportunity to make disciples. We need to be aware of that. That every place, everywhere, every day is an opportunity and a moment for you to make disciples. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was at Kroger and I was getting gas at the, at the gas pump. And I was out there getting gas and there was this guy and he, his truck on his driver's side, the, for the, the, two, the driver's side doors were completely smashed in. I don't, I'm really not sure how he was driving the vehicle. It was probably unsafe. But he was driving it and he had to get out of the passenger side, walk around his truck and get gas. And I'm getting gas. Man, I'm just trying to mind my business, you know. Like I'm just trying to get some gas, get back in my truck and do my thing, right? How many of y'all do that? How many of y'all are good at avoiding people? Yeah, we get good at that, especially like when you're on an airplane and you got to sit by somebody you didn't want to sit by, you know, or you're on the bus and you're just like, you put your headphones in, we're good at this. Put our headphones in and we stare at our phone. Even if we're not doing anything, we stare at our phone and we look like we're doing something, right? Because it's like, don't talk to me. You might as well wear a sign on your forehead that says, don't talk to me. But as believers, we got to change that. Even if you're not an outgoing person, we need to be aware of what's happening around us and not shut down when we get in public. Right? All right, so this is the deal. So I'm pumping my gas, and, man, I'm noticing this guy, and he's kind of like, he's a little twitchy, and he's a little, I don't know, you could just tell something was wrong, you know, and, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden, he finally says something. You know, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? God bless you. Have a good day. And then I thought we were done, and he kept talking. So I got Harrison in the car. You know, he's back here, and, you know, I don't know about your two-and-a-half-year-old, but my two-and-a-half-year-old does not enjoy the car seat. You know, so I'm trying to get somewhere quick so I can get him out of the car seat so we don't have a meltdown, right? The TV shows only last so long. And it's like, I went out. I went out because he likes to go, you know. So this guy, he starts talking to me. And I, and I said, hey, man, you know, I, I, see, I see that your truck, um, you had an accident or something. He tells me the full story, like every detail. I'm like, bro, I didn't need all the details, man. You know, like he gives me the full details of where it happened and how it happened. And, and he's telling me this story and he's talking to me about all the injuries he's got. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if I really believe what I preach and say I believe, I can't leave this man without praying for him. And so I said, you know, he got ready to leave and he shook my hand. And before I let his hand go, I said, man, I don't know where you're at spiritually or if you even believe in Jesus. But would you mind if I prayed for you? And he said, sure. Most of the time, if you ask someone, if you can pray for them, they'll let you pray for them. Even if they don't believe in Jesus, they'll let you pray for them. Because whether they want to admit it or not, they know prayer works. Right? So I began to shake this guy's hand and I prayed for him. And I just didn't, I didn't pray some crazy prayer. I didn't get my, my little um, travel size bottle of oil from the, you know, Israel out of my pocket and start slinging it all over him and get my hanky out and start swinging it and have a, you know, I didn't do any of that. I just prayed, man, in Jesus' name, I, I pray healing over his body. You know, it was just short, simple. And after we got done praying, he said, thank you for praying for me. He said, I needed that. Now, he didn't, I don't, I don't know physically all of his ailments were internal, so I don't know if he left there healed or not, but I know there was a different look on his face after we finished praying. And it's interesting, he said, he said, he said, where do you go to church? I said, I go to the church alive. He said, man, I know your dad. I was like, of course you do. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's what happens when you live in the same city for 35 years, right? You get to know people. He said, listen, he said, I went on the church with, I went, I went on the church trip with Harlan Park Assembly when you guys went to the Brownsville Revival back in the 90s. 
He said, I believe in this stuff. He said, I haven't been going to church and I haven't really been in this for a while, but I know that, that, that God wants to take care of me. And when you prayed for me, I felt that. And so everywhere, every day, everywhere you go, look, that's not about me. That's, I didn't want to do it, right? You know what I mean? Just because I stand up here and preach doesn't mean I want to go out here and lay hands on every person I see. You know, sometimes I just want to stay in my lane, right? Uh, but, but part of this fulfilling the Great Commission is you being aware that you have something inside of you that the world around you needs. Amen? And so today we're going to talk about the action that we need to take. We talked about awareness last week. We're going to talk about action today. And, and this is the, the bottom line the, the, the foundational truth that you need to know as a framework for what we're going to discuss today, and it's this. We have a father that would desire for none to perish. It's the heart of the father. He doesn't want a single person on the earth to go to hell. I was listening to Bill Johnson a few weeks ago, and he was talking about sharing your faith, and, and he said, he made a statement. He said, I want it to be hard to get to hell from Reading. And I want to take that for us. I want it to be hard to get to hell from Conway. Whether you live in Greenbrier or Valonia, you live in Bigelow, you live in Clinton, for Central Arkansas, I want it to be hard to get to hell from Central Arkansas. Because we are aware of our responsibility and we are willing to take action on fulfilling the Great Commission. This is what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the heart of our Father. So every single person, whether you think they're a candidate or not, it's the heart of the Father that they would not perish. And so it should be our heart as believers that take on the heart of our Father, that we see every person everywhere, every day, no matter their condition, no matter how nasty or filthy they are, as a candidate for being saved by our gracious Heavenly Father. Amen. The blood of Jesus is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. Amen. you got to believe that. So our motivation is not church growth. We want this church to grow and be so full of people, we've got to build another building to contain them all. The truth is, is that if every church, if every believer in this area got serious about fulfilling this great commission, we don't have enough buildings to hold them all. But, you know, like the thing is, think about it this way, is that if every person in this room got serious and went and found one person this week that needed Jesus and brought them into this place next Sunday, we wouldn't be able to fit them in this room. You know, so, so growth is a, a natural byproduct of us fulfilling the Great Commission, but our goal is not growth. Our goal is saving the lost. Our goal is taking people, how the old preachers used to say, and snatching them out of the fires of hell and bringing them to a place of repentance so that they can know the goodness of God. I think sometimes we need some of that old school preaching. Because somehow, someway, we've gotten convinced that hell may not be real. And the fires of hell may not be hot, but I'm telling you it's real and they are hot. And, and if we would live with that urgency and that reality, we would not be okay with people dying that don't know Jesus. 
And so I think we need to be confronted today with the reality of eternity. And that we have a role and a responsibility to play in bringing the gospel to people that are lost. There are people that you know that I don't know that I'll never talk to, but you'll talk to them. And if they die without hearing, is it my fault? Right? So let's talk about action today. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. These are terms that I used to hear growing up that we don't hear anymore that we need to bring back. Are you a soul winner? Are you a soul winner? You know, I used to, we had people that would go to church and you knew that guy's a soul winner. What if, what if that was the reputation you had in life? That guy's a soul winner. That guy goes after the lost. The truth is all of us need to be soul winners. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said the same thing to you. Tanner, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And the the truth is, some of us need to learn how to fish again. We've been stuck in our own lane doing our own thing, coming to church and getting fat on the gospel and not doing anything with it. Let's be real, right? You know, and God doesn't fill you and feed you just for you. He fills you and feeds you for everyone around you. He knows if he can get it in you, he can get it through you. And so that's what he wants to do. He doesn't baptize you and fill you and give you giftings and talents and treasures just for you. He does it for the people around you that he knows, man, you've got an appointment with them, a heavenly appointment with them. To show them love, to show them peace, to show them life, to heal them, to prophesy to them. All these gifts of the Spirit. It's not just for here. If the only place we pray for the sick is here, we've got it messed up. If the only place we encourage people is here, what are we doing? Because the truth is you should be encouraged already. If you've got a relationship with the Lord, David said, I I encourage myself in the Lord. Right? And so sometimes we spin our wheels in the, in the church, trying to get people into something they should already be in. That's a whole other message. But the truth is God puts this in us so that we can take it out there and do it. So when you're in the Chick-fil-A line and the person that, that's taking your order says, my pleasure. Like, I don't really want to be here, but i got to say this. We were at Chick-fil-A in uh, Benton uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, and this, this lady at Chick-fil-A took our order, and she was like, my pleasure. I was like, shoot, don't, I mean, if it's not your pleasure, don't say it, you know. But I'm like, man, this girl needs some joy, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's, an, that's an opportunity. Let me get real practical. That's an opportunity for you to just say, man, are you okay? You, how you doing? Are you all right? You know, instead of just like speeding through the line, you, know, you probably got somebody back there honking at you because they got to get their chicken, you know. But like take a minute and say, man, are you all right? God bless you. Like God, Jesus, Jesus loves you. You don't have to get weird on them. Jesus loves you. Can I get some Chick-fil-A sauce? You know, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's that simple. But this is the deal. This mission is not going to accomplish itself. If we don't become intentional about the harvest, it will not be complete. It's harvest season now. This is what the Bible says in John 4, 35 through 38. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say... The harvest is another four months away. Look at all the people coming. 
Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. We don't talk about this a lot, but man, there's a reward in heaven for you if if you're a soul winner. That's a good thing. That doesn't motivate us. Our, Our motivation is a heart of compassion, right? But there is a reward from your Father when you complete His will. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to harvest a field you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. In Jesus' name, man, I declare that there are seeds in the ground that are just waiting for us to harvest them. Some of you are going to be able to step into a place of harvest where somebody that came before you planted a seed of prayer and and planted a seed of salvation in their heart and it hasn't been manifested yet, but God is positioning you to reap this spiritual harvest in your workplace, um, in, in, in the world around you, so that revival is something you live in every day, not something you come to church to experience. Amen? It's harvest season now. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13 through 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no qualifiers there. The drug addict. The sexual deviant. That sounds like a really bad, nasty word, and it kind of is. But the truth is, the blood of Jesus is strong enough for them. The juvenile delinquent. The orphan one, the abandoned one, the one who just has a problem with lying, right? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? It's a legit question, right? And how can they believe him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Today you're being sent. This is what the scriptures say. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Amen. How are they going to hear unless you tell them? Now it's interesting for us um, In the Western world, especially in the Bible Belt, in the buckle of the Bible Belt here in the South, pretty much everyone has heard about religious Jesus. But have they heard about the real Jesus? Have they heard about personal Jesus? Do they just know him through going to church and sitting in the pew and going through the motions? Or have they heard about the goodness of God that draws men to repentance? The the wiping away of your sins and stains that we talked about this morning that so refreshing can come. Do they know the God that is full of grace and full of mercy and not judgment and condemnation that the enemy has twisted their minds to believe that's the way God is? Do they know the kind of Jesus that loves unconditionally? How is he going to know him? What does it mean for you to tell them about him? You show him to them by the way you live your life. 
You show him to them by how you respond to people who have wronged you and hurt you. You show them to people when you're on the workplace and they say, we're not going to be able to give you that bonus we said we were going to give you. Instead of cussing them, you're like, oh, I hate this place. And you're like, oh, I'll quit. You know, that's, that's okay, man. God loves me. I got a faithful father and he's going to provide for me. You, you, you tell people about him, not just by the words you say, but the life you live. It does involve the words you say because God wants to use the words you say, right? But it involves the way you live. It, in, it involves the way you respond to this nonsensical, fiery, stupid political debate stuff. Right? People get so fired up and say the craziest things. How are you, how are you going to represent Jesus in that moment? How are you going to image forth the heart of God to the world around you? This is the truth. That, that every moment of every day is an opportunity for you to be Jesus to the world around you. In, in the way you speak, in the way your facial expressions... This is real practical, but your facial expressions, the way you come into work when, when everybody's stressed and, you know, hey, we all have moments, right? But, but how you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit on the inside of you that, that represents Jesus well. The truth is, this is actually pretty easy because Jesus has done all the hard stuff, right? He went to the cross. He died. He shed his blood. The Holy Spirit fills us and baptizes and, 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 and produces this stuff in us. All we get to do is just partner with him. All we have to do is just take the step, right? So I've got some action steps for you. Number one is you need to believe in the message of the kingdom. Do you believe the message of the kingdom is good enough? Do you believe Jesus is good enough? Because this is the truth. If you fully believe in it, you will boldly declare it. If you fully believe in it, you will boldly declare it. That's just the truth. When you see situations that are impossible, you will insert yourself into those situations instead of running from those situations because you know that there is a Father in heaven who has the ability and the desire to fix what's broken. Amen? What is the kingdom message? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, not just a right behavior, but that God has given you right standing with him through Jesus. Righteousness, that's a good news message to the people that, that, that condemn themselves and, and hang their heads because of failure and, and stupid decisions. How many else besides me have made a stupid decision? Done stuff you wish you would have never done. But thankfully, through Jesus, I have right standing with God. I have righteousness. That's good news. Peace. We need peace like never before in our world. That you can have stillness and peace, not just based on what's happening around you, but because there's a goodness of God and a stillness of your soul on the inside of you. Joy. A river of life flowing out of you. That, that when circumstances around you would say, there's no reason you should have joy. You have joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right. Right. Amen. 
So the message of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We've got to believe in that, and we've got to declare that. Amen. Number two, be intentional. You need to wake up every day with a mission. Wake up every day deciding, I am going today, somewhere, somehow, some way, I am going to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm going to make a disciple. I'm going to, I'm going to speak life to someone. I'm going to speak joy to someone. I'm going to speak peace to someone. I am going to show the love of Jesus to someone. I heard one man say it this way. You need a spiritual hit list. <laughs> or you're going to be intentional. There's, there's some guys that I ask to play golf with me, and they think I ask them to play golf with me just because they're good golfers, and that's part of it. But, but I ask them to play golf with me because I know they're lost. And they have to spend four hours with me in a golf cart <laughs> where they can't get away, right? And they think we're just talking about sports and we're just hanging out, but, man, I'm praying in the spirit under my breath, and I'm, I'm just speaking peace and asking the Lord, what do you want me to say to this guy? How can I encourage this guy, you know? It's that simple. Target people who need an encounter with the kingdom of God. This is not gauged by what you see on the outside. It's about having discernment to see the condition of someone's interior world. Sometimes you can see it on the outside, truthfully, but in most cases today, because we're really good at hiding what's really going on the inside, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to see what's happening on the inside. Just because someone drives a nice car and has a good job and makes lots of money doesn't mean they're not spiritually destitute on the inside. The lostness of man can't be judged by what's happening on the outside. You know, and clearly if someone's laying on the sidewalk and, and you know, having a, a demonic presence radiate from them, you know that person needs Jesus. But if they, if they have a, a, a nice job and have a nice car and a nice house, we tend to think, oh, that person's fine. They have it all together. But they may be depressed. They may have an alcohol problem that nobody else sees. They may have a, a drug addiction that nobody else sees. That person needs Jesus just like the other guy laying on the sidewalk. When Jesus called Matthew, listen to this. Let me say this. You need some friends who aren't saved. If the only person you have a relationship with are people who know Jesus, how are you going to lead anybody who doesn't know Jesus to Jesus? If all your friends are saved people, let me help you. Go make friends with some non-saved people. Right? Jesus hung out with non-saved people. You need some friends who aren't saved. Hopefully they don't stay unsaved when they get around you, right? And let me speak some wisdom to you. This is not an excuse for you to go to the club. This is not an excuse for you to go to the bar. Man, I'm just trying to find some unsaved people. Let me catch some of that Bud Light too. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying. I heard there was this girl one time a long time ago that said she felt like the Lord was telling her to go to the strip club and, like, go in the strip club and, like, be there and, like, save people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, the Lord wants to save the strippers. Amen. But he doesn't want you to go into the strip club while she's working to do it. Maybe you just wait outside, out back. When she comes out, then you can hit them with some Jesus. But while you're in, no, don't, do not use Jesus as an excuse to get wild. Amen? But get some friends that aren't saved. Amen? This is what the Bible says in Matthew 9, 11. When those known as the Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant. 
They kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such low lives? When Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and said, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people go for treatment. Be intentional about going to people who you know need Jesus. Amen. Go to the lost sheep. Listen to this. Let the Holy Spirit empower you with giftings and strategy of how to preach the message of the kingdom. The last thing is be persistent. Don't be so quick to give up on people that you feel are not willing to say yes to Jesus. Just because they tell you no the first time doesn't mean you need to stop asking. Because the truth is they really need and they really want Jesus. They're, they're just maybe they just need a little time. It doesn't mean they don't ever want you to, to not ask them again. You know, we were ministry and doing ministry in L.A. At the, at the Dream Center. They told us when you go and minister to people and you ask them about Jesus, just beware because they're going to respond to you crazily. And it happened. You know, we went to people and said, hey, man, can I pray for you? And they'd cuss you and say, get away from me. And you go back to them five minutes later, hey, man, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you talk to me about Jesus, <laughs> you know. So, so be persistent. You, you are dealing with someone's eternity. Be persistent. Don't allow rejection to shut you down. Sometimes we fail to minister the gospel of Jesus to people because we are concerned about being rejected. Let me help you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. And I promise you he can handle it. So be so accepted by him and who he says you are and how, how he has accepted you that you're okay if they reject you. Doesn't mean you stop. Don't let rejection derail you. Keep investing. Keep praying. Keep inviting them. Keep, keep loving them. Amen. Be persistent. We have to be more, more persistent in the kingdom of darkness. And we must sense the reality of eternity and the urgency of now. I love this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Some of you know this quote. We are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is such a thing as being too late. This is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. I want you to hear those words today. There is such a thing as being too late. And, and like, we don't preach this message today trying to scare you into preaching the gospel. But neither can we be disconnected from the truth that eternity is forever. And this life is not. So if they don't hear before they go, they will spend an eternity in hell. And we need to be burdened with that burdened, with that fierce urgency of now. Back in, in World War II, there was a man, his name was Oscar Schindler. Some of you guys have seen maybe the movie Schindler's List, or you, you studied this guy and heard about this guy. And he was, a, he was an, a German industrialist. He was actually a German spy. He was a member of the Nazi party. But this man is credited with saving the lives of over 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust by employing them in his ammunition factories which were actually located in Poland and the Czech Republic. He was a remarkable man who outwitted Hitler and the Nazis 
to save more Jews from the gas chambers than any other during World War II. Schindler, who surfaced from the chaos and madness of World War II, spent millions bribing and paying off the SS and eventually risked his life to rescue what history would call the Schindler Jews. There was a letter that was written by his Jews in May of 1945, and it says, Oscar Schindler rose to the highest level of humanity. He walked through the bloody mud of the Holocaust without soiling his soul. His compassion, his respect for human life. He gave Jews a second chance at life. He miraculously managed to do it and pulled it off by using the very same talents that made him a war profiteer. In those years, millions of Jews died in the Nazi death camps like Auschwitz. But Schindler Jews miraculously survived. To more than 1,200 Jews, Oskar Schindler was all that stood between them and death at the hands of the Nazis. A man full of flaws like the rest of us, the unlikeliest of all role models. He started by earning millions as a war profiteer and ended spending his last penny and risking his life to save a handful of Jews. An ordinary man who even in the worst of circumstances did extraordinary things matched really by no one. He remained true to his Jews, the workers referred to as my children in the shadow of Auschwitz. He kept the SS out and kept everyone alive. Today there are more than 7,000 descendants of the Schindler Jews living in the U.S. and Europe, many in Israel. Before the Second World War, Jewish population in, in Poland was around 3.5 million. Today there are only three or 4,000 left. Oskar Schindler spent millions to protect and save his Jews, everything he possessed. He died penniless. He was a millionaire. He died penniless. But he earned the everlasting gratitude of these Jews. Today his name is known as a household word of encouragement in a world of brutality. A hero. He saved hundreds and thousands of Jews from Hitler's gas chambers. I want to show you a little video clip from the movie Schindler's List. It's just about three minutes long, and it shows him at the end of his life. Well, not the end of his life, at the end of, of his saving of these Jewish people. And I want you to hear some of the words he says about, let me, let me pose this question to you. Will you get to the end of your life and wish I could have done more? When it comes to saving the lost, when it comes to reaching people that you know are going to hell, will you get to the end and say, I wish I would have said something. I wish I could have done something. Watch this clip.
I just... I couldn't have gotten more. Ask her, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you. Look at them. If I'd made more money... <laughs> I threw away so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. If I just... Generations, because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Oh God, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. Ten more people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. A person is there. For this. I could have gone. One more person. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about this question today. Can you do more? So moved by that, and I don't encourage you to go watch that movie. It's, it's pretty heavy, it's pretty graphic, but I think they do a good job there of portraying the, the weight of the thought of, I could have done more. When it comes to life and death, when it comes to saving people who were going to die. He said, I could have sold this pen and it would have been one more person. I could have sold this car and I could have saved 10 more people. I pose that question to us today. Can we do more? And the truth is, yes, we can all do more. We may be in a place of doing nothing. We can definitely do more. But what is keeping you from doing more? What is keeping you from being a part daily of winning the lost? As the Moravians used to say, that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering. So I pray today, God, that the weight of eternity, the burden of the lost would come and sit on us today. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me all over the room and what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment and respond to this word of, of needing to take action 
concerning the Great Commission. Would you just lift your hands with me all over the room? I want to pray over us, and we're going to take a moment to worship. Let the Holy Spirit seal this word in our heart. But I pray today, Father, that you would help us to see the way you see. You would help us to feel the way you feel. That you would give us a heart of compassion for the lost. Like Dr. Martin Luther King said that today we would be faced with the fierce urgency of now. That there is such a thing as being too late. God, I pray that we would not detach ourselves from the reality of eternity. That heaven is real. That hell is real. And we have a responsibility. We have a requirement of heaven to seek and to save those who are lost. God, come and make us soul winners today. God, come and make us fishers of men. Let a heart of compassion be birthed on the inside of us today, God, that our hearts would break for the lost and that it would not just be rhetoric, it would not just be religious jargon today, but move us from compassion to a place of action. Move us to a place of action today that we would seek and save those who are lost, that every day we would be a part of, of fulfilling the Great Commission. We need this today, God. Burn it in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Come on, just for a moment, before you leave, let's worship and let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us and seal this word in our heart today.
Holy Spirit, we thank you for speaking to us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for sealing this word in our heart today. Lord, I pray for us as a body of believers that fulfilling the Great Commission would be a second nature to us as breathing. That we would be soul winners. We would be harvesters. Your word says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Make us laborers today. We say yes to you, God. We say yes to fulfilling this great commission. We say yes to making disciples. We say yes to being Jesus to the world around us. Yeah. So my, my challenge to you is this, to whatever it is that's keeping you from being a soul winner, whatever it is that's keeping you from sharing Jesus with people, let the Holy Spirit handle that on the inside of you and then just step into a place of action. I want to challenge you specifically to find at least one and maybe three people that you know need Jesus and be intentional and be specific about giving Jesus to them this week. Don't wait till you think you're ready. Look, just let me, let me give you this. Just because you don't feel like you have it all together doesn't mean you can't tell someone about Jesus. You're not telling people about you. You're telling people about him. And just because you don't feel like you have it all together and maybe you're still trying to, to fix some things in your own life, it doesn't devalue Jesus, right? You still give him to people. And then I want to encourage you, as you engage that person concerning the kingdom of God this week, invite them to come to church with you next week. I would love for everybody to bring at least one person, maybe three. Bring somebody with you. We, we used to do this in church. We used to tell people, bring people to church. And, and why do we do that? We ask you to invite them into this place so that not, not only can they be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, be in the presence of Jesus, but they're going to hear the word of God. They're going to have an opportunity to grow in him. So that's my challenge to you this week. Let's don't just talk about it. Let's do it. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of talk, but a kingdom of action and a kingdom of power. So let's do something about it this week. I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you fresh vision so that when you're walking through the grocery store, you're going through the drive through line, you're at work, you're at school, you're at the gym, you're doing whatever it is you do on the walking trail, going to the park, that you wouldn't just breeze by people. But the Holy Spirit would give you spiritual eyes to see. And, and it would be like a light just illuminating them like, go talk to that one. Go talk to that one. Go talk to that one. Get their phone number. Say, I'm going to text you. We're going to talk. Uh, I want to bring you to church. Maybe it's, it's, it's easier if you do this with somebody you already have a relationship with. Hopefully you already have a relationship with somebody that needs Jesus. Don't let the fear of man keep you from presenting the gospel to people. In fact, right now in Jesus' name, I just break off the fear of man. I break off that fear of rejection and the fear of man that shackles us and hinders us and keeps us from doing what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. I bless these people today with the heart of a soul winner. I bless these people with the call of Jesus that says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I pray that we would be harvesters that bring in the harvest 
during this harvest season. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen and give God some praise in this place today. Amen. 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 God bless you. We thank you for being here. If you want to continue to pray, you can. Make sure you come out today. It's 4 o'clock. Don't miss it. Even if you don't have kids, come out and hang out and fellowship with us today at 4 o'clock for Brave Cave. Amen. God bless you as you go today.